Well, good morning, Crosspoint. Uh, we're glad you decided to join us this morning for Crosspoint Online. Uh, we are uh, doing this for a couple more, more weeks. We'll finally get to see you soon, very soon, uh, coming up on June 7th. But uh, we're glad that you joined us online this morning. We're going to sing like we always do. We're going to sing a couple songs if you're just joining us for the first time. And we'll get into a message, and then we'll sing a couple songs on the back end of that as well. Uh, we're in the middle of a series talking about how we are following Jesus and taking up our cross uh, daily and sacrificing uh, for him. And so uh, we just invite you to sing, just worship where you are, wherever you find yourself this morning. Um, just uh, focus on the words. The words will be up on the screen uh, below us. And uh, we just invite you just to join in with us. Let's sing to him.
giving it everything for us. We're going to teach you a new song uh, this morning called Great Things. Um, it goes like this. Um, just jump in with us as soon as you can get the melody. Just uh, We uh, hope you learn it and sing along with us tonight, uh, even this morning. worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh God, you have done
been so good to us. Um, it's up to us now just to uh, do everything we can for him. So uh, let's turn it over to Paul now. Uh, open up our, uh, our Bibles and, and just pour into God and just have him pour into us now. Good morning. We're so glad that you joined us this morning for Crosspoint's online service. We are in week four of our series, Take Up Your Cross, and today we're looking at choosing second. Now, if I make the statement that you must lose to gain, it doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense, right? Just in and of itself, that statement by itself doesn't seem to compute. How would we lose to gain? But if we look at how we apply that um, to situations in our life, then we see that it actually makes a lot of sense. The easiest one for us all to probably think about is losing weight, right? We lose weight to gain health, to fit in our clothes better, or to feel better about ourselves. I know personally I've lost income to get more fulfilled or to gain fulfillment uh, in my work in life. And so you can probably think of a situation that applies just to you today where you say, you know, I've taken a loss in this area so that I could gain more later. And today we're going to look at how that applies to us in our face. Now, faith. Now, when, when I went back to school uh, to get my master's, which uh, I just finally graduated with, um, listen, I lost a lot. I lost a lot of sleep. I lost a lot of free time. I lost being stress-free, all in order to gain the ability to teach. We make choices on a regular basis, all of us, every single day, to lose in order to gain something later. Well, our choice to follow Christ, as we're going to see today, isn't much different. Christ explains that in order for us to gain salvation, we must lose ourselves. We must lose ourselves. Really, the choice is this, choosing to be second and choosing to put him first. We're going to be in Mark chapter 8, verses 35 through 38 today. This is what they say. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me, my words and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when it comes in his father when he comes in his father's glory with the holy angels. In verse 35, Jesus makes that statement that doesn't logically make sense without further context, which he provides pretty quickly. If we want to save our life, then we must lose it. If we want to save our life, then we, we must lose it. Whoever loses their life for him and the gospel will end up saving their lives in the long run. See, Jesus uses a play on on words here uh, when he's talking to the crowd because in this day and age, the word that he would have used for life has two meanings. So when he says, whoever wants to save their life, that life will lose it. But whoever wants to lose their life, that life, they're actually mean two different things. We're going to talk about that. See, the first meaning is this physical existence, physical existence. And the second meaning is one's true self. So that word for life has those two meanings, and Jesus is using both of those here in this statement. You see, each one of us is born into sin, a fallen creation. From the moment that we breathe our first breath, we are sinners. Our true selves are self-centered, self-serving, and self-reliant. Think about a baby's cry. Right? 
when babies cry at, at the earliest stages, they cry because of their self-centered needs. Now, do we fault them for that? No, because they're beautiful and sweet and we love them and we know that they need our care and that they depend on us. But from, from our very beginnings, our focus is on how we can serve Number one, how we, how we can best serve ourselves so that we ourselves can survive in this world. What Jesus is saying here is that those that want to save their physical lives will lose their true self or their innate sinfulness. See, those of us that want to save our physical lives, that want to have life after death, that want that resurrection that Jesus himself experienced to gain our new bodies, to, to be in heaven with him and with God, those of us that want to save that physical life, that don't want our, our death here on earth to be the end, must lose our lives, our true selves, our sinfulness. And so it's one of those statements that when we first hear it, it, it seems like it contradicts itself, but it really doesn't. It really doesn't, not even a little bit. And then Jesus goes into the alternative. You see, if you choose not to do that, you can gain the whole world, but lose your soul. You can gain the whole world, but lose your soul. And he asked, what good is it? What good is it? You see, each one of us, we, we, we can have a reward here on earth, or we can take our reward later in salvation. And the choice is really up to us. You can gain notoriety and wealth and you can be exalted here. You can store up your treasures and praise. But Jesus makes it very clear that if this is our focus, if this is what we do, the chances of us gaining both the world and our soul, very slim. We look at Mark 10, 24 through 21. This is the story where Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler. And this rich young ruler comes to, to Jesus and he calls Jesus good. And Jesus says, hey, I'm not good. There's only one person that's good and that's God the Father. I, I'm not good. And listen, we, we hear Jesus say, I'm not good. And we think to ourselves, well, if he's not good, then how could we ever hope to, to reach goodness? And the answer is that, that we can't. And honestly, I think that's what Jesus is trying to make clear in that passage that if he, without sin, loved by God, the spotless lamb, so to speak, so to speak was not good, th then there's no possibility for us to be good either, which is why we have to choose second, which is why we have to lay down our selfish desires for what God wants out of us and in our lives. And after this rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus goes through the commandments and the rich young ruler says, I've done all that. I, I followed the commandments. I did those things. It picks up in verse 21 in Mark chapter 10. It says, Jesus looked on at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier 
for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now it's real easy to look at this passage and say, well, I'm broke, so I must be good. Right? Or I'm definitely not rich, so I don't have to worry about this. But we all see here, right, that Jesus isn't talking about money. Jesus isn't talking about money. He's talking about a young man who is placing his needs, his desires, his wealth before his relationship with Jesus, before his relationship with God. And so your wealth, your wealth can can be a number of things. What Jesus is really talking about here is divided loyalty. Divided loyalty. You see, the the rich young ruler, he follows all of of God's commands. And he can check all those boxes off. And, And it even says Jesus looked at him and loved him. And, and so just from an outsider's point of view and perspective, we'd say that this young man is probably a pretty decent guy. And while he was following all the commands, he still wasn't ready to give up everything to follow Jesus. And that is what this passage is about. It's about choosing second. It's about saying that no matter what I have to give up, I will give it up to follow Jesus. Jesus is either the first or he isn't. He's either first in your life or he isn't. We mentioned that earlier in this series, right? We can't be hot or cold because if we're somewhere in the middle, if we haven't fully given in to follow, to follow Christ, to take up our cross and to deny him, if we haven't fully given ourselves in dedication to to have that drive in our lives, then he's going to spit us out of our mouths or his mouth. Jesus is either first or he isn't. And we either choose second or we don't. You can be rich and make it to heaven. Because again, this isn't about money. And listen, here's the thing. You, you can't choose riches over Jesus. You can be rich and still make it to heaven. But you can't choose those riches over Jesus. And your riches don't have to be monetary. It doesn't have to be about money. Maybe it's your comfort. See, you can't choose your comfort over Jesus. You can't choose yourself over Jesus. Maybe your riches are your selfishness. It is your selfishness, your desire to to be number one in life, to always look out for your best interest before the best interest of, of others even if that means disobeying what God is calling you to do, even if that means turning your back on what Jesus is wanting from you in your life. You can't choose your addiction over Jesus, no matter what that addiction may be to. You can't choose your family over Jesus. We look at Mark 10, 29-31. He goes on to say, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields 
along with persecutions and in the age come to eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Then Jesus wants to be very clear. You can't purchase this. There's no trade-off here. Right? If we go back to our, our starting passage in verse 36, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? He goes on to say in that passage, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And the answer is this, nothing. You don't have anything he needs or he wants as far as some sort of good that you could trade or barter. And again, Jesus wants all of you. It's not, Jesus, I'll give you this area of my life if, if you just let me have this. This isn't a barter system. There's nothing that we're, we're going to trade. There's no trade-off. It's not give and take. It's not, Jesus, I'll give you some of me, but I'm holding this back for myself. That's what gets people into trouble. Is when they're selfish enough and self-centered enough and think that somehow, some way, they deserve to hold on to a piece of themselves. But we are called to choose second, to put Jesus first. There's no let's make a deal. If you want to save your life, then you must lose it, and that's it. If you want to save your life, your physical life, if you want to experience salvation, then you must lose your true self, which innately is sinful, which innately will say, I need to put myself first. But we have to shed that. We have to shed that thought process in our lives to put on the cloak of Jesus. I want to encourage you today to do whatever it takes. To do whatever it takes to lay down your sin so that you may experience what it's like to truly live. Because if you want to save your life, you must lose it. And then the, the final thing that Jesus talks about, oh man, if you're ashamed of him, he will be ashamed of you when he comes back with his army of angels. If you are ashamed of him, then he will be ashamed of you. If that doesn't make you tremble a little bit, if that doesn't make you think about how you're living your life, you are not reading this passage or hearing this passage correctly. I'll go back and read the verse. 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. If that doesn't make you shake a little bit, tremble a little bit, question just a little bit, if, if you are living your life in a way that says, I have no shame of choosing second and making Jesus first, then you are not reading this passage correctly. Well, pastor, I'm not ashamed. I forwarded that message on Facebook and I didn't break the chain. I reposted the meme that said, if you're not ashamed to be a Christian and you love Jesus, like and repost this. And I did it, so I'm not ashamed. 
Well, that's good because it's all it takes. Right? Wrong. See, the problem is that so many of us are using things like that as a substitute. As a substitute. We're like the rich young ruler. We're checking off our boxes and we're doing the things that say, look at me, I'm a Christian, I'm not ashamed of it. But yet we're not letting Jesus impact our lives and we're not truly choosing second. Here's an idea. Get off Facebook and put in the work. Don't just share the meme. Don't just send the letter to all your friends. Get involved in their lives. Get involved in their lives. Become their servant. Because many who are last will become first. And many who are first will become last. And so you better make sure that your life, the life that you are actually living, matches up with all the words that you're putting out there into the universe. We can say all day long that we believe in Jesus and His Word and His teachings. But if our life isn't matching up, then what good is any of it? You need to pour in to people. You need to choose second. See, because if all you're doing is sharing those memes and sending off the chain letter, you're not doing that for Jesus. Hear me, if that's all you're doing, if you're using that as your substitute to actually go physically into all nations and be involved with people to bring the good news and share the gospel, if that is your substitute, you aren't doing that for Jesus. You're doing that out of your own selfish desire to be recognized as not being ashamed of him. But just like we saw in the book of James, life is so much more than just saying that you have something. Tell me that you have faith. Fine. But faith without works is dead. What I want to make sure for all of us, anyone who's watching this right now, especially for the members of Crosspoint, for people that call Crosspoint home, but the world. What I truly want for us is for us to live life. To actually live life in an actionable way. In an actionable way. I want our feet to move, not just our mouths to move. And really, that's the challenge of taking up your cross. That's the challenge of of choosing second, of recognizing who Jesus is and what he has done for us and saying, God, what you call me to do, I will do. And we've already talked about this in the series, but the call is pretty clear. His ministry begins and ends with what? A call to disciple. A call to go out and spread the good news. 
And in the end, that's what choosing second is really all about. Colossians 3.17, I'm going to leave you with this verse again. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Lose your life today so that you might gain your soul. Choose second. And don't ever take that first spot back. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for the message that you've given us this morning, God. Hopefully it's made an impact on each and every person who's heard it as much as it has made an impact on me this week, God, because I know at times I put myself first. That's just me being honest. I know that I am sinful and imperfect and I have faults and I make poor decisions sometimes on a daily basis. Decisions that are focused on myself and my own needs and how I can best be served and how I can get the most out of this life that I'm in. And I lose sight of the fact that how I can really get the most out of this life is by giving up my life to live it for you. Because any riches that I may be able to store here on earth, they will fade away. I don't get to take them with me. Any fame or notoriety that might ever come my way pales in comparison to being able to spend eternity with you in heaven. God, help our hearts to cry out for you. To, to want nothing more in life than to be second. Than, than to choose second. Let that desire burn within us until there's nothing left but the desire to just focus on you and the mission that you have placed on all of our lives, the purpose that you've given each and every single one of us. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Stay with us while we finish worship. We want you to remember that we love you and we hope that you all have a great week. Never ending.
Do you allow me just to pray for us before we go? 
Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that you are everything that we need, everything that we could possibly need in this life we can find in you. Um, Lord, help us to just remember this week that uh, you've given your all for us, and um, you just ask us to do the same as well, to, to give every part of ourselves um, to you and, and to the cause of, of your mission um, in this world. Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we read our Bibles this week and pray, Lord, that we're praying not just for the world around us, but also for ourselves, to, for our role, our, our, um, our part in this story that you're creating. Lord, I pray, Lord, that, um, that this message would not just uh, be something that was nice to hear this morning and something that leaves us and we immediately forget how we looked at ourselves and how we looked at your word, but it's something that follows us and, and keeps us um, in step with you and in and, and, uh, self, um, you know, uh, addressing the, the, the needs, the, the things that we're lacking in ourselves every day. Lord, I pray so much um, for just the people who are watching this stream. Just bless their lives. Lord, help them to know what it looks like to follow you every day. In name I pray. Amen. Hey, we are so glad that you've joined us today. Thank you for giving us a little bit of time out of your week. We hope that we find you well, healthy, and safe. Remember that if you have any needs whatsoever to let us know. We love you guys, and we can't wait to be with you June 7th. Have a great week.